Welcome to the Trailblazer Talks podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Hope Wilson. The heart behind this podcast is to encourage and equip you to discover your God-given purpose by sharing talks with people blazing trails right where they are. Each week, you'll hear from me and different guests on the show to talk about life, purpose, God, leadership, and a whole lot in between. I love having conversations with people, and I'm excited to get to bring you into those. My hope is that you'll grow and become poised for purpose. I hope each week that you'll feel more equipped to be a trailblazer right where you are. So let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode. This week I have my new friend Karis on the show and we're talking all about one of my favorite topics, a really important topic, and that's mental health. I know we've already talked about this a few times on the show, but I don't think we can ever talk about it enough. It's so important to keep the conversation going, and I know that Karis's story will inspire you and encourage you and equip you with even more tools to help you fight your own battle. Let's hop on in to this week's episode. Karis, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. I'm so glad that we connected through Called Creatives and got to meet through that platform. And there's just so many awesome ladies on there. But in case someone doesn't know who you are, or what you do, I'd love for you just to introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, Courtney, thanks for allowing me to be here today, to be here with your listener family. A little bit about me. I am from Alabama. If you can hear that Southern accent and uh, my husband and I, we have been married for 17 years. We have two daughters and we have a fur child, I guess he likes to be called. He's a little mini golden doodle. Uh, His name's Cooper Hashbrown. But we uh, enjoy our family time together. I am a speaker, author, worship leader, and now I am getting into the the coaching world as well. That's awesome. I love golden doodles. They're so cute. I love the name. <laughs> That's so precious. Yes, my it's so funny. My kids, when we got him, um, they were both like, "Mom, he is the color of a hash brown. We should name him Hash Brown." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so, I love it. That's so cute. Uh, well, you mentioned that you're an author, and I would love for you to tell us about your book called Anxiety Elephants and just the heart behind that when it came out on all of that, so that our listeners can find it and read it because I think it would be a really helpful resource for them. Yeah. So um, back in 2011, I went through a really difficult battle with depression and anxiety, which I know we'll talk about that in a little bit. And uh, God saved my life and he pulled me out of that. And through that, he helped me to see that just as I felt alone, so many others feel alone. And you think I'm the only one struggling with this anxiety. I'm the only one dealing with these feelings and this, you know, I would describe an anxiety attack like elephants sitting on my chest. You know, there's this pressure and you want out, but you can't, you can't get out on your own. And so through that, through a lot of prayer, God just began to lay on my heart to write. And I did not see myself as a writer. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. And I questioned God and was like, are you sure? Are you sure about this? And um, he just continued to say, trust me trust me and write. And so anxiety elephants kind of came out of that personal testimony of where I was and what God brought me through practical tips of how to cope. What can I do when these anxiety attacks come? And so that's kind of how the heart of the book is just giving those practical tools those practical steps that you can take every day, an action step. I can remember being in that fog of anxiety and I wanted to act. I wanted to do something. I just didn't know what to do. And so these daily steps give you those small little victories to take. And so it was um, released right before COVID. 
hit. And uh, God in his goodness knew that this book was going to be needed. And it's just been humbling to see how he's used it across the world just to help us all make this connection. You know that, yes, we deal with these anxiety elephants from time to time, but through God's word, through practical tools and steps we can take, we can overcome that together. So that's a little bit about the heart and the why behind the book. Yeah. I I think that that's such a great resource because I know just from my own experience, I've also struggled off and on with anxiety and depression and more of like the high functioning, um, what they call high functioning anxiety. But I definitely have felt those elephants on my chest too and felt that heaviness of just like, oh my gosh, and I've had panic attacks before and anxiety attacks and figured out the difference between the two and, and also just with depression and stuff. So I feel like that practical type of tool because I've gone to counseling and they always give you practical tools, but then it's kind of like you need something in addition to that. That's like, like something that you can have like those little steps to take, like you said. So I think that that's so helpful because it is like a constant of taking little steps and it's not just this like, Oh, I went to counseling today and I'm completely over it. Like you got to keep doing the work. Um, and that's what my counselor would tell me too, is Courtney, you got to do the work. So I love that. And I know I talk about mental health, uh, pretty frequently on all of my platforms, just because I feel like it's so important to kind of normalize the talk about mental health, just like we would tell someone if we, broke our arm or we're having heart issues or any kind of physical symptom. I feel like there's a stigma that's around mental health whenever we talk about it that, um, I mean, it took me a long time, even just at work to tell anyone that I've struggled with that or to like, instead of just taking a sick day, take a mental health day, because I was like, oh gosh, they're going to think I can't do my job because I have anxiety or because I have depression. And like, that's not the case. It's not that I can't do my job or can't function or something. It's just, it's just, you know, a struggle. So um, I would love just to hear more about your story that you were mentioning earlier and any tips that you found helpful. Obviously your book was something that kind of birthed out of that um, with finding tips that were helpful, but I'd love just any tips and encouragement you have that were helpful in your own journey. Yeah. And, you know, thanks for sharing part of your journey as well. You know, as you share about going to see a counselor, I think those are these kind of conversations that help us normalize mental health and normalize the need to get help. You know, counseling was part of my journey. It saved my life. I believe that it was one of the main things that God used in my life. When I was going through anxiety and depression, it started as anxiety for me. And at the t- at that time, my husband and I, what it appeared on the outside, we had this amazing life. We were leading worship. Um, we both had a successful businesses going on. My my daughter, who is 12 now, she was two then, you know, she was living her best toddler life, you know, and she had no idea that mom was struggling and no one else did because I was a master of the mask. I hit it well. I was terrified, you know, if people find out that I'm struggling with anxiety, with depression, that they're going to judge me or reject me, honestly, because that is what I did to them. My initial view of anxiety and depression is that it was not real. And that if you said you were struggling with anxiety or depression, that you were just probably feeling sorry for yourself. You were probably being lazy. And, you know, women would come to me and uh, our, our young girls would say, you know, want encouragement. And my response would often be, uh, you just need to pray harder. You just need to read your Bible more. Uh, you just need to trust God more. Or if I knew you really well, I might tell you, well, you just need to suck it up, buttercup and move on. It was not really meeting them with a compassion of Jesus. And then when I began to experience anxiety and depression, I realized how real 
that battle was. I realized they wanted out and they couldn't get out and that it was a real struggle. And so it started out as these, um, for those who've never experienced an anxiety attack, you know, my heart would race out of my chest. I couldn't breathe. Um, it felt like I was having a heart attack and like I was just going to pass out. Um, you know, I remember the worst one that I had. I thought I was going to die right there in front of my my kiddo, on my, you know, in, in our home. And that was scary. And uh, I didn't deal with the anxiety. I pushed it down and I pushed it down again, terrified of the rejection. You know, I believe this lie that if I told God was even going to turn on me, that he was going to be mad at me and not use me anymore, that my friends would leave me. And so now it moved into depression, this feeling of being hopeless, useless, worthless, and purposeless. And rock bottom for me was um, I had gotten down to about 100 pounds because I wasn't eating. You know, for me, I was trying to numb the pain by starving it because I didn't want to deal with it. So I was starving it. So I was down to 100 pounds and we found out I was pregnant, which was just a miracle within itself. Just my body was just slowly deteriorating. And the doctor said, you know, Karis, I don't care if you eat donuts for breakfast, lunch and dinner, just eat donuts. And so two things happen. First of all, the doctor, when they give you permission to eat donuts, you eat donuts, right? Like you eat all the donuts. And so I did, but also this like mama bear instinct kicked in. Like I couldn't do it for myself, but you know, we, as women will do things for others. We will fight for you, right? We'll fight for our kids or we'll fight for our friends. So I was willing to fight for that baby. And so I did, I ate and I gained about um, six pounds in about eight weeks, which was huge, but I had a miscarriage and I lost the baby. And that was rock bottom for me, you know, just this thought of, see, look what you did to that little life. And in that moment, it was like, I could feel God reach down and lift my chin and say, look up. And when I looked up, there were the helpers. And I realized I wasn't alone. There was a counselor there who helped me tremendously. Um, my doctor who began to talk with me and, you know, said to me, if this was heart disease, if this was cancer, and I gave you medication, would you fight me? And I was like, no, I would, I would do it. And she said, this medication is going to help get your brain or your hormones back in balance. Um, and so I understood what she was saying. My church was helpful for me. And as I began to start telling people, start telling my friends, I would always be hesitant at first because I just didn't know the response. And every single time I would say, I'm struggling with anxiety, I'm struggling with depression. They would always look at me and it was as if they breathed a sigh of relief and they would say, you too? I was like, yeah, me too. And so it, in those moments, that's when God began to kind of reveal to me, we got to talk about this. We got to put faith and mental health together. You know, he, the Bible is full of scripture on our thoughts and, you know, life and death and the power of the tongue and how to take those thoughts captive. So I know that that mental health is important to him. And so through that over these past few years, I've just really wanted to just bring awareness to that and say, hey, you know, it's okay if you're not okay. Uh, you're not supposed to be perfect. You're not supposed to have, have it all together um, and you're not doing anything wrong. And we're here, you know, to be with each other on this journey. And God just began to show me that I wasn't hopeless, that I was hopeful, that I wasn't purposeless. I was purposeful and that we're not useless. We are useful in his kingdom. And so he has just done a, a work in my heart and my life. And I'm grateful every day that I'm here, that I'm alive because I know where I was at. And I'm thankful every day because of his hope. I'm not, I'm not there anymore. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I, I love what you mentioned about bringing like your faith into it because there's all throughout scripture. I mean, we see, and even though the Bible doesn't distinctly call it what we call it today, I mean, Elijah was hungry and upset and basically depressed and was like, Lord, take me now. And, you know, we see Moses and we see so many different people throughout scripture. I mean, even Jesus, the night before he went to the cross, that's considered an anxiety attack or like a panic attack because um, he was in anguish. So, I mean, there's just so ma- so much throughout scripture where it it amazes me because um, I've heard the same things that you said you used to believe as well. And I've been told those things as well before of, we just need to pray more. You just need to seek God more. Maybe, maybe there's some, maybe there's some hidden sin in your life or something like that. That's just those churchy kind of phrases, because I think that it's, it's hard when you can't physically see it because it's internal, you know? So it's almost kind of like this, like internal bleed that like, you know, you're telling people I need help and they're like, well, I don't see any scrapes, you know, you're fine. Just rub some dirt in it kind of thing. But I know uh, this past year, I think it's so incredible that your book came out, like you said, when it did, like only God knew what this past year was going to be. And I know that mental health struggles skyrocketed over this past year with just the isolation and just the fear and all the unknowns and everything, anxiety and depression and all of that are at an all-time high. Thankfully, I just saw this statistic. Thankfully, suicides are are lower than they expected um, to be, which is very good. I'm glad that that it didn't spike um, like they were fearing it would. Um, but I know that, I mean, I've struggled over this past year with just, I live by myself. And so I've struggled with isolation too, and the depression, anxiety that can spike up with that at times, um, and just not having that normal routine. But I'd love to hear from you if there's just any thoughts you have around some ways we can be there for each other more and, and maybe finding some new routines or something that can kind of help us get out of that 2020 kind of slump that maybe we found ourselves in? Yeah. You know, I love that question and you're right. You know, I'm, there was a lot of people you're in um, isolation and you're lonely and you know, you're not getting together with your community anymore. You may not, you know, be around your family and it's easy to get into thinking that that's the way you're supposed to live. And I remember I put myself there and um, coming out of that feels scary because for many of us, depending on where you live, your, your lockdown, your isolation was um, more intense than some others. And so to come out of that feels, it's like, it's kind of shocking to your body. Like, oh, it is okay to do these things now. And so some things, you know, that I would encourage us to do now that it is getting warmer outside and we can get out, you know, go out, you know, text your friends and say, Hey, do you want to go for a walk today? Do you want to go grab some coffee today? You know, be, be on purpose about that. Yes, it may feel uncomfortable. But just kind of like when we we work out, you know, a lot of us decide at the beginning of every year, I'm going to work out, I'm going to get in shape. And so the first couple of times that you do that, you're sore when you do it because you're not used to doing it. But the more you do it, the more um, your body adjusts to that and the more the stronger you get and the more confident you get in that. So that would be the first thing I would say is, you know, work out that muscle of reaching out to your friends and saying, Hey, let's, let's start getting together more often. And, and of course, wherever you live, it's going to be different, but find those ways that you can get together. You know, even if you can, um, I know there are some young college girls right now who are even over zoom, they live in different States, but they're doing um, a Bible study 
together. You know, they're, they're using the Anxiety Elephants book. And so they get together in that way to keep that community going. Um, another thing that is helpful in kind of shifting your perspective from, from um, doom and gloom and, you know, that loneliness and isolation is to practice an attitude of gratitude. And I didn't realize how powerful gratitude was until I started being intentional about my thoughts. And studies show science, you know, has shown that your brain cannot be anxious and in a place of gratitude at the same time. So gratitude is like this natural anxiety blocker. And when you practice it, when you're on purpose with it, it blocks that anxiety and it helps you to see the the things that you do have in your life that are good. And so, you know, if you got up every day and thought of three things that you're thankful for and be as specific as possible, you know, go back to your six-year-old self and think about those small things that you're thankful for. And then again at night, do that same thing. What am I grateful for in this day? And you're going to begin to see a shift in how you view your life, how you're viewing every day. Those things help. And, and I know for me, um, spending my first few moment, moments, if it's just reading a scripture or a small devotional and not picking up my phone to check social media. Um, you know, I was, had a horrible habit of that. My phone would lay uh, beside my bed. And when I would wake up in the morning, the first thing I would do is I would pick it up and I would grab it to see what's going on in, you know, social media world on all my platforms. And so changing that habit and, you know, picking up my Bible first and reading what God's word says and just praying, those kind of things help. And I think if you can kind of take a few of those and begin to incorporate them in your life and just take those small steps, yes, it does feel uncomfortable. Um, And so that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means to keep doing it, keep taking those small steps. And eventually you're going to see that shift in your life. Mm-hmm. I agree with all of those. And and I think that's where, you know, you see as believers, as Christians, you see your faith tie in with the, the mental health battle is I think it's like there's a little truth to some of the things that we may have believed of like, well, you know, you do want to be close to God. Like you don't want to just totally dismiss your faith in the mental health battle. And I think that doing those things like replacing thoughts and making sure that the first thing you're seeing in the morning is not doom and gloom or bad news or anything. Um, so I, I love that. And I'd love to hear too. I don't know if there was any specific resources or books or just anything like that that you found helpful when you were battling through or just any resources that were helpful. And I'd love um, to just to hear more around kind of marrying your your faith with your struggle with mental health. Yeah. So I think for me, um, some resources that were helpful, definitely my counselor, going to counseling was a huge resource for me going to talk to someone who I knew it was a safe place. There was no judgment, um, you know, and that I could share whatever I needed to share. That was huge. And so, you know, if you're listening out there and you're thinking about counseling, I would encourage anyone to try because I think it can be helpful for even if you're not going through anxiety or depression, I think it can be helpful. We've just been through a very traumatic year. Um, so it's going to affect you somehow, some way. So that was a, a helpful resource for me. And another resource that was huge was journaling, you know, um, just grabbing an old school spiral notebook, you know, sometimes they're cute. The last one I had had glitter on it, but not always. Um, and just getting the thoughts out, writing the thoughts out on paper, the good, the bad, the messy And, you know, not putting too much thought to my sentence structure or how I'm spelling words, just let it flow. And that getting it out and no longer hiding it, that was really 
really helpful. And then also in that journal, replacing those thoughts with scripture, with affirmation statements, that was helpful for me. Um, My doctor, staying in touch with my doctor, she was a very valuable resource in taking that medication and also finding out, you know, that I had a deficiency in vitamin D, which many of us in America, we do. And that is something, you know, that your body needs to help kind of replenish those feel good hormones. Um, And knowing that I just needed to add some of that vitamin into my life. Um, You know, that was helpful. And then one book that I did read over and over, it is an older book. It's by Joyce Meyer, Battlefield of the Mind. Um, That book, I think I dog-eared and re-dog-eared so many pages, but that was huge for me to just have that and to go through and read it. Um, You know, and I think that at that time in my life, I didn't read a lot. So for me to read that book, that was um, very helpful for me. And just getting into a Bible study of some sort, you know, getting back into community. I honestly, I am an extroverted introvert. I don't know if any of you are out there that that can relate to that. So getting around people, um, even though it didn't feel natural to me, I needed it. I needed to know that um, there were friends out there for me that I was loved, you know, and I I may not have made it every week to that Bible study, but having that resource of a community, that was huge, really. That really was a big, big one for me. I think it can be easy whenever we are um, in the thick of it to isolate and it, it can be easy to like, I mean, I've done that before. I'm guilty of that where I, you know, we'd have like zoom, you know, you kind of zoomed out at this point sometimes. And I've just been like, I'm just going to go lay down instead. And then like, I've had friends text me and be like, Hey court, like, where were you and stuff? And then I was like, okay, I, I need to show up. And like, so it's like, you kind of have to like make yourself show up. I've heard, um, the saying one of, uh, my, when I lived in Alabama, my pastor there, he would always say choices lead and feelings follow. And so, um, sometimes we have to make a choice, even if we don't feel that choice at the moment and know that, you know, it may take taking that step a few times of getting back into community or whatever it may be. Um, And then eventually you'll start to kind of feel some different feelings along the way, um, just as like another practical step. And I don't know too, um, if you have any thoughts around some ways like that our faith, like you kind of mentioned it a little bit already, just some ways that our faith can kind of play in with our mental health. And and I know you mentioned the gratitude and, and stuff like that, but are there any other practical ways with like our faith that we can kind of dive in? Because um, I think sometimes when we are struggling with something like mental health or, or anything like that, it can almost be harder to go to God in those moments because we're exhausted or we just don't really know the words to say. So I'd love just some thoughts around that. Yeah. Um, I, I love that actually, you know, and, and when I was in that middle of that battle I was full of shame. I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed. You know, here I am struggling with this. I'm supposed to be a leader in the church. You know, I've been, I've been a, a follower of Christ since I'm a child and here I am struggling. Um, you know, I would just beat myself up about it. And um, it was in kind of over these past few years that the scripture that you mentioned about how Jesus the night before his death, how he was in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, here is Jesus. And he says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of sorrow. Like he felt, you know, this death inside of him. And he says out loud, I am overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. And it's in that moment that our savior who knew no sin did not sin shows us that he feels overwhelmed. 
and he's not hiding it. He's not, um, you know, pushing it down and pretending like, you know, we always say we're good, we're fine, you know, or we'll put on our Instagram post, you know, hashtag blessed, you know, he's not doing that. He's being real with those three. It was um, James, John, and Peter. He's being real with these close friends that he has. And so that kind of gave me freedom to see, okay, if Jesus can be real, about where he is, and we're supposed to follow the example of Christ, then I can be real about where I am at as well. You know, and he's not just real with his friends. He even goes on, you know, to God and he's like, you know, Abba, Father, you know, let this cup pass for me. Let this wrath, let this judgment, let this separation that I'm about to experience from you pass you know, but if not my will, your will be done. And so for me, that was huge to, to see and kind of grab a hold of that we're supposed to be honest. We're supposed to be transparent about where we are. We're not supposed to, to hide and act like we have it all together. And I'm not saying go and, and spread our problems out to everyone, but, but be honest to God. I mean, he knows where we are. And in that moment, God did not shun Jesus. He did not turn him away. He listened he listened to him and he strengthened him and he helped Jesus to get up and walk out the purpose, you know, that God had for him. So seeing that, that that is a part of faith, that that is um, not a sin to feel overwhelmed. It's not a sin to be honest and share where we really are, that we're really following the example of our savior. That was huge for me. And also, you know, I had for some reason, this picture in my head that everyone in the Bible that God used was perfect had everything all together and they never made a mistake. And I've heard all the stories in the Bible, but you know, you just kind of get this picture in your mind, but you know, we can look at King David who was a murderer and an adulterer. And he was a man after God's own heart, you know, and Moses, he had a terrible temper. Noah, you know, he, he went and got drunk after, you know, the ark landed, you know, and God saved them. So these, these people are not perfect, but God used imperfect people because that's what we all are. And so I had to begin to remove that pressure that I needed to be perfect. And we can see all throughout Psalms, David laments. He is honest with God. You know, he's like, this is where I'm at. He felt like everyone was trying to kill him, you know, and he laments and then he, but he turns his heart always to hope. And so I think seeing that in the Bible, seeing people the way that they are and seeing that even Jesus felt that overwhelm and was honest about it. I think for us in the faith world, putting that component of mental health together and saying, hey, you know, we're struggling here and we know the enemy comes at us in our thoughts. He wants to put those seeds of doubt. He wants us to think, you know, is this true? Is this really what God wants me? It's what he did to Adam and Eve. He came to them and that's what he put that seed of doubt in their mind. Did God really say, did he really say not to eat from this tree? And so that's been his game with us from the beginning. And so I think, you know, confessing and sharing that with one another and really talking about it makes a huge difference. You know, I know a lot of pastors now and small group leaders, they're talking about mental health more. And I think that's huge. You know, we can, we see a lot of pastors over the past few years, they experience burnout, they struggle with mental health, and they're finally finding that freedom to share and to talk about their struggles too. And I think the more that we share, the more that we say, this is where we're at. God loves us where we're at. He is still using us to walk in this purpose and calling in our life. And he is helping us. You know, he's equipping us with new tools and bringing people in our life. I think the more that we do that in the faith world, um, the more it becomes normal 
to talk about faith and mental health. I mean, just if we, the church, if we talked about mental health more, how much more could we help a world that is really struggling right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that the more the church talks about it in a healthy way, um, the more healing that'll happen. And it doesn't mean that, I mean, I think everyone has their own story with their mental health struggles. And I think that's something I would hope the the listeners hear is it may not be a one and done experience and you may battle with it off and on like me, or it may be just, you had this really hard season and that was the only time you ever struggled with it. Um, But I think like I would say don't beat yourself up if it's something that's an ongoing battle and don't feel like you're doing something wrong if if it comes back around at some point in your life. We go through hard stuff in life and you never know what can be a trigger, but I fully agree. I think if the church starts having more of these conversations and just showing, like you said, that one, the Bible is not made up of perfect people and like the church shouldn't be either. And I think that sharing our story is so powerful. I always love the verse in Revelation. Um, I think it's 12, 11, where it says by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, we will overcome. And so I always love that verse because I think it's so powerful. And and like you mentioned earlier, like you don't necessarily have to go share your troubles with everyone in the sense of when you're like in it, you know, I think there's a difference in sharing with those key people like Jesus did or those key close friends, like that safe circle is what I like to call it of, you know, your counselor, your doctor, your like close friends or spouse or whoever is in your life. that's a safe person to talk to when you're in the thick of it. Um, And then once you're kind of over that hump and you have that part of your story, you can tell where you can help someone else through it. I think that that's that's where, you know, we need to be open and be, you know, if we're comfortable sharing our testimony, just like Karis is telling us today. So I think that there's power, just like you said, when you have that me too moment of, oh, you struggle with me too. And that's so freeing because then it's like, oh, I'm not in the secret bubble of thinking everyone's looking at me and they know what's up, but they like actually don't, or they think I'm perfect and I'm really like crying myself to sleep at night or something, you know? So I think there's so much power in that. And one area too, that I know that you um, specifically kind of focus around as well is for tweens and teens. And that's something too, that I cannot imagine being a teenager today and I'm 29 right now. And I remember when I was in high school was when it was when social media was first kind of coming out. We had MySpace, we had uh, Facebook was just starting to be a thing. Texting was just starting to be a thing, you know? And so we didn't have Snapchat. We didn't have TikTok and all the, all the things where it's like, you have to be on 24 seven. You have to be, um, you never know who's taking like a Snapchat of you and making fun of you or anything like that. So I can't imagine. And I dealt with bullying when I was in school of just the mean girls who would write I mean, I mean, it was a physical note of, um, you know, they would pass a note or write something mean on like the locker or something like that. But it wasn't like all these text messages and social media. So I can just imagine that that brings a whole nother layer that would add to like teenagers having anxiety and depression today. Because I mean, I've heard from teenagers and the, and the struggles. And sometimes I think it can be hard for teenagers because a lot of people put these stigmas on teenagers of like, oh, they're just so moody and so bratty. And it's like, no, like they're going through really hard stuff. And like, they may not have a mortgage and a marriage and all this responsibility, but they're still going through really real and tough emotions. So I'd love um, for you to talk about kind of encouraging one, like if there's a teenager listening, like speaking directly to them to encourage them. And then two, if there's a parent listening who maybe they don't realize their teen is struggling, or maybe their teen has brought it up before, but they haven't 
you know, really heard them just some encouragement for parents too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't imagine what they deal with. You know, our, my pastor was talking about this, you know, and he was like, you know, teens today, we used to be able to get away from it, from the struggle, from the bullying, you know, from the hard stuff, but they can't get away. They are surrounded by it 24 seven and what that pressure must feel like, what that weight, what that burden feels like, you know? And so if there is a teen listening to this or even a tween, maybe you're listening with your parents, um, I would say to you, I'm not going to dismiss what you're feeling. What you're feeling is very real. Uh, it's very real to you. Um, and, and it's not because it's just you. It's because there is so much pressure in this world. There's so much pressure on you to, goodness, fit in, fit the mold that the world says. And the hard thing about it is the world changes their mold every single day. It's never the same. So you can never measure up. You can never meet that. You know, I would remind you that when you're looking at social media, remember that you are seeing people's highlight reels, comparing that to your behind the scenes. And what you are seeing is this filtered life. It's not real. Um, you know, and just as you see those pictures and want to make yourself that way, that same person, they're also looking for acceptance. And that's why they're filtering the mess out of those pictures and putting all that on there, you know, on Snapchat. So just know that it's not real and know that you are loved, that God, he didn't make a mistake on you. And there's no pressure on from him on you to, to change. He wants you to come as you are. Like he can handle the mess. He can handle the questions that you have. He can handle the, the anger, the frustration that you had. Cause for a lot of teens, a lot was stolen from them over this past year that they didn't get to experience, you know? And so God wants it. He wants you to bring it. He wants you to be honest, you know, and, um, you know, in those moments that you feel pressure, who is an adult, that you can go to and talk to and say, hey, I'm struggling. You know, who can you ask to pray for you? Um, you know, there is a scripture that I would encourage you to write down. It's Psalms 94, 19 that says, when anxiety was great within, your comfort brings me joy. And so just having that knowing that when you do feel that anxiety, when you do feel that pressure, trust in God and his comfort, that will help you so much to know that you can lean into him. You can talk to him um, and that he loves you as you are and that his purpose and his plan for your life has, um, you, you can't mess it up. Like he has this plan for you. He has this purpose for you and you can trust him and you can walk in that. And for parents who have teens or tweens, you know, I, I love this question because I recently just experienced this with my 12 year old. She was trying out for a middle school basketball team. And uh, she kept, I could see the stress and the pressure that she was feeling. And I would always say to her, um, Zoe, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. Just do what you can. If you don't make it, it's okay. And if you do, it's fine. There's no pressure from me and your dad. And I can see that she started to shut down. Like she was no longer speaking. And it was like, God just kind of stopped me in my tracks and said, you totally dismissed everything that she's feeling inside. And you basically said to her, what she's feeling inside is wrong. It's wrong. And so in that moment, you know, I said, okay, wait a minute. Do you feel pressure? Do you feel pressure on the inside? And she said, yes. And I said, what is it? What is pressuring you? And she began to just share with me, you know, and she just opened up and shared. And, uh, you know, I, it was just even something as simple as I've always just signed up and made a team. I've never had to try out and be, you know, uh, 
make a list and to know that some will not. And so as she shared, again, it was as if, you know, God said, don't dismiss it, acknowledge the pressure. And so by acknowledging it and saying to her, this is a real thing, she realized that she wasn't doing anything wrong. That, that she wasn't messing up in that. And even in that moment to have to say to her, you know, you're going to have more pressure in your life. And when I go into schools and I pe- speak to teens, I tell them, I, I would love to tell you your life is going to be rainbows and unicorns, but it's not like you're going to have pressure. You're, you're going to have it. So knowing that and knowing that you don't have to avoid it, you can lean into it. You can take a deep breath and say, okay, I can do this, you know, go through it with your friends, have those trusted adults in your life that you can talk to. Um, I know I always get the eye roll from teens when I tell them social media is not good. It's just not the best, but to say to them, you need to get off of social media. And there I am on social media. I'm not going to be a hypocrite, but I do think taking some time off of social media, not allowing it to be your life and go outside, go live your life, go spend time with your friends and not let that phone, you know, dictate your life. And I would even say to parents, and I know this may be a hard shift for you in your relationship with your teen, but taking that phone, taking that electronic out of their room at night when they go to bed so that they're not mindlessly scrolling at two and three o'clock in the morning, reading these messages, seeing all these images, taking that away from them so they can get sleep. Our bodies need rest. When our minds don't get rest, it goes to crazy places. So again, I know that may be a hard task and may take time, but I think by doing even just that practical step, you might see big changes, you know, and just having those conversations, telling your teen, hey, what is it? What uh, honest thing do you need to share with me? There's no judgment. You won't get in trouble. Um, If you could share, if you could spew out what you need to spew out, giving them that freedom to say it and know that they're going to be loved by you, that you are a safe place. Um, Having those conversations, I think, would be empowering for our younger generation. And they would begin to see they don't have to look to the world for acceptance. They already have it by their heavenly father and by those of us um, that God has placed in their life that loves them. I agree with that, too, because I remember even when I was a teenager, um, it was hard. Like my mom had that rule of, and, and like I had a flip phone. <laughs> I didn't have social media that I was scrolling with. It was just like a matter of not texting people late at night or anything. Um, so, but it was a good rule because, and I, even now I have, I try to do that more for myself. Like if it's not, you know, I try to have my phone just at least across the room or something where it's not the first thing I'm looking at. Or if my alarm goes off, I have to get up out of bed to go get it. And I have app limits set too for screen time to help because um, it's hard. It's hard whenever I think I like we struggle more on social media when we're constantly consuming it and not participating in it. And I think if we can have those like limitations for ourselves and boundaries, it can it can be more fun on social media. And we're not just sitting there watching what, you know, all the other girls are doing, all the other people are doing um, and just like sitting on the sidelines. Like you said, go out, be active, have fun, go do stuff. And I love what you said too, about just being able to openly talk with your parents. I think that makes such a huge difference too, is knowing that, you know, if I tell you this, am I going to get in trouble or am I going to get like reamed right away? Or am, is me like telling you this, like a safe space? And then like, cause like, obviously depending on there's consequences in life for all different things, but we still need a safe place to be able to talk um, and and process that and be able to um, have that open relationship with our parents. And I think that that, like you said, you 
recognizing what um, your daughter was feeling and, and going back to her and being like, oh, maybe, you know, we should talk about this a little bit more. I'm sure that meant the world to her. And now she'll feel more comfortable coming back to you whenever she's going through something else. And maybe it's something maybe down the road, it's a job interview when she gets to that age, you know, and it's like another thing she has to like, you know, try out for in a sense. And now she like is prepared for that, you know? So I love that so much, so much wisdom um, just across the board and all these questions today. And one thing that I love to ask people and the heart of the show is talking with people who are blazing trails right where they are, their God-given trail and inspiring others with their story. And so I'd love to hear from you just what is one piece of advice that you would want to leave the listeners with that you have learned in your trail in life? I would say um, that perfection is not required to walk the journey that God has for you and that all you need is willingness to be obedient, faith to take the baby steps and the big steps and grace, giving yourself lots of grace and accepting the grace that God gives us. And I think in doing that and in realizing, you know, this is a journey, this is a marathon. It is not a sprint and um, it's okay if you fall down, just get back up and know that God is there to help you up and just keep going, keep running, knowing that um, it's going to be worth it when you finish. Yeah. I love that. Um, and something fun that I love to ask people too, just cause I think it's always nice to hear like what people are loving lately. Um, what are some things that are your favorites lately or that you're just enjoying right now? Yeah. I love this question. I really had to challenge myself on this just to add fun into, into my life. And so this is so funny and probably silly, but Christmas, we got a Nintendo switch for our kids. And so we have all gotten to where we enjoy it. We love playing games on it together as a family. We love card games. Phase 10, if you are a competitor, uh, we should meet and we should all play because I think that would be fun. Um, That has been really fun. And then um, just getting outside, really just getting out and just uh, taking walks around my neighborhood has been something that that I have really enjoyed and just trying to, to just have those moments. I think that has been my favorite. Always that has been a favorite of mine and probably always will be is coffee. Any time of the day, I love coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. And I love face 10 too. I, I've, that game's been around a while because I used to play it growing up and loved it. And it's been a minute since I've played, but I have it like in my closet with my other games. And I, one of my friends has a Nintendo Switch and it's so fun. Um, she has some of the like Super Mario and the like Mario Kart and stuff. And that was so fun to play because I used to play those as a kid and loved it. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, I'm a huge, huge coffee fan. Love coffee. Any way I can get it. It's my favorite. (laughs) Um, Well, is there anything that you want to make sure you share or promote the listeners today or cover before we wrap up today's episode? Um, Yeah. If your listeners want to, they can go to my website and check uh, all the new things out at karasnyder.com. Pretty soon, uh, my coaching information will be up there on the website. So if anyone is interested in that, coaching for, you know, staying strong in your faith and mental health or even coaching on your writing journey, um, you know, definitely head there, subscribe and get more information. Awesome. I will link that in the show notes. And how can they connect with you on social media, wherever you're at on there too? Yeah. So I'm pretty active on Facebook and Instagram at Karis Snyder. So you can find me there. And then also, again, my website will have all the links um, 
for all the other channels that I'm on, uh, which is karasnyder.com. Awesome. Well, Karis, thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you for all your wisdom. I know that this is going to um, hopefully start lifting the fog and bring some healing to a lot of people. So I really appreciate you sharing that today. Yeah. Thanks, Courtney, for having me and just let me be a part of your, your listener family today. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope that that conversation with Karis empowered you and helped you in your own story to overcome with your mental health battle. And if you haven't already, make sure that you're subscribed to the show wherever you listen. And we would love for you to leave a review if you're loving the show so that more people can find out about it. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you here next week.